Well, hello, I'm Dom, and I'm the host of Horror House, True Crime and the Macabre. Horror House, True Crime and the Macabre is a delectable delight of true crime and the macabre, sprinkled with just the right amount of that dry British humour. Horror House can be found anywhere that you listen to podcasts and is on Instagram at Twitter at horrorhouse underscore pod and on Facebook at horrorhousepod. Episodes are released weekly on a Friday or as weekly as studying full-time and working part-time allows. So why don't you make a brew and come join me as I weave tales of horror and discomfort. Until next time, stay spooky. Hi, I'm London. I'm Anya, and this is Grave Danger. Sorry we missed last week. I had a conference and slept for like four hours and two days, and then slept for like 24 hours and two days to make up for it. So, uh, she's a slacker and she doesn't have a good excuse. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but we are here this week on time. We're doing this at 1 a.m. Yeah. This is still- not on time. I got class tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> it took us 10 minutes to start recording because she's so tired and kept laughing. I've gone to bed at like 4 a.m. every single night this yeah. week, so... Yeah. Clown shit. And, uh, hopefully we'll be on track a little bit better now. I don't know. We'll see. I feel like we say that every week. Yeah, we're trying our best. Yeah, we do, like, we say it, and then we do good for one week, and then it's, whoop, next week's it's bad again. Yeah, there's the second week of school, too. But yeah, let's uh, get into this case. Oh, trigger warning. There is mention of sexual assault towards, like, the end of the case. So, yeah. Brittany Drexel was born on October 7th, 1991 in Rochester, New York. Two parents, Don Drexel and a man named John, but they split up only after a couple of years of Brittany being born. And when Brittany was a toddler, her mother married Chad Drexel, who adopted her, and she did end up changing her last name to his, Brittany's and Don's. My whole family's from Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Like an hour away. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany had also been born with persistent hyperplastic primary vitreous. Vitreous. I did not look up that word. In her right eye which required several surgeries and rendered that eye completely blind. And so to cover the eye's tendency to wander, she wore contact lenses that gave her a more distinctive appearance. She had two younger siblings that she really got along with, and she lived with her family in the Rochester suburb of Chai Lai, New York. In 2008, her mother and stepfather separated and filed for divorce. Her parents' separation affected her academic performance, and it worsened her depression. She remained with her mother, but kept in close contact with Chad, because they had a really good relationship, and that's also why the divorce affected her so much. In 2009, Brittany was a junior at Gates Chai Lai High School and played for the soccer team where she was a star player. She studied cosmetology and also aspired to be a model. She had a boyfriend of three years, John Greco, and he was overall a great guy, but they did have the normal like high school relationship kind of fights. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Around this time, she also got diagnosed with depression and began taking antidepressants, but she was getting better and had no indication of wanting to harm herself or anything like that. Good for her. Yeah. In April of 2009, Brittany asked her mom if she could go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina over spring break with her boyfriend and some friends, because that was a really big place to go for spring break for her school. But her mother refused since she did not know the other girls, and I guess they were also more of like acquaintances and not super close friends. 
and they were also all older since they were seniors and Bunny was only a junior. There was also going to be no adults on the trip, and her mom says that she just had, like, a big gut feeling that something bad would happen. I mean, to be fair, I agree with the mom. Yeah, no, I mean, Completely for sure. It's also 14 hours away. It's also, like, a 16-year-old or whatever. I was 17. 16 when I was, okay, 17 years mm-hmm. old. A 17-year-old just on vacation, like, that far away from home with yeah. no adults. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely get where the mom was coming from, but I also understand... Being in high school and probably really wanting to go and being upset by that, like... I mean, I get that, yeah, but I but, just feel like this is gonna... Yeah, so I, I definitely understand what the mom's coming here saying, like, if, especially if she doesn't know the other girls and that they're not even, like, super close friends, you know? My mom would not have let me exactly, go. Exactly, yeah. If it was, like, an hour away, that's one thing, you know? Yeah, yeah but that's a really far drive. Yeah, for sure. Or fly or whatever the fuck they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this led to arguments between the two for several days because Brittany kept asking. And then on April 22nd, Brittany asked if she'd go to friend's house for a day or two to calm down. And Dawn agreed because it was spring break, but she did want to speak to one of their parents. Uh, Brittany had her friend act like her parent on the phone, so she was allowed to go over. She then left that night for a 14-hour drive to Myrtle Beach with Jennifer Obero and Alana Lippa, who are the main girls that she was staying with. And then Jennifer's brother and Alana's boyfriend, Philip Obero, and Jennifer's boyfriend, Uger Ozturk, was also with them. Uh, Brittany's boyfriend, John, wasn't able to go because he still had to work. And so she was kind of like third reeling with them. She was texting her mom the whole way down there so she wouldn't be suspicious. And about the time that she got there on that Thursday, the 23rd, she said that she was just going to hang out and watch movies that night. But that night is when Brittany and her friends checked into the Bar Harbor Hotel on North Ocean Boulevard which was like the main strip through Myrtle Beach, and they started their spring break weekend. They kind of knew this other group of guys from home as well, and so that's who they ended up hanging out the whole time with while they were there. And this included Peter Brozowitz, Anthony Schmidzi, Philip Watson, Keith Cummings, and Matthew Abrams, ranging from ages 19 to 25. A 17-year-old girl with up to 25-year-old guy. That's not a good With combination. seven guys and two girls. Yeah, no. And then obviously, like, there's more people, like, here and there that they hang out with, too. But these are, like, the main, main people group. in the story. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and so she spent the night out with these friends at the local nightclub, Club Crypt Night, which is, like, an 18-plus club. Or a teen club is a teen club. She actually hung out in the VIP lounge there with 20-year-old Peter, who was a club promoter from her town that Brittany did know for about the past two years. And her mom says that she believes that she might have actually met him once during that time. So like she actually kind of knew this guy. So that's who she was hanging out with the most. So that night went fine. But then the next day, Brittany was already texting her boyfriend, John, that she was not having fun. That the girls kept leaving her out and they were picking on her and that she was spending a lot of time alone. Like it's these two girls that are best friends and then Brittany, like the acquaintance. So like she just kind of felt alone there. I mean, Myrtle Beach is also someplace where you do not want to be alone. Yeah, facts. And then so later that day, around 9 p.m., Brittany actually began walking down the strip alone just to get away from the girls. And of course, some guys kept catcalling her and being rude. And she ended up going up to one guy that looked nice and about her age to ask him to walk with her because she was afraid to walk alone. He said he had to stop by his hotel and then he could. And that's what he did. He did also text her and try to meet up with her again the next morning to say bye, but she is still sleeping. And he left before he, she woke up. So he was, he actually was a good guy. Yeah. He walked with her. They hung out for a bit and she seemed to have 
had like a little bit of a better time because it's like somebody she actually got along with a little bit more. That's fair. Yeah. Still wouldn't have asked a random no facts, dude but... to walk me back to my hotel. Yeah, no. but... he he turned out to be a good guy. He was visiting from like Missouri or something like that. Glad that was good. <laughs> the next day on April 25th, Brittany went down to the beach near the Blue Water Resort, which is where Peter and his friends were staying, to hang out with like those guys. And it was around noontime and Peter drove her back to a hotel after hanging out. And then it was around 2 p.m. when her mom called her and Brittany told her that she was at the beach. Dawn was not alarmed because she assumed she was at a nearby, like, Charlotte Beach in New York because the weather had warmed up that day. So she's like, okay, that's fine. And Brittany said that she would see her tomorrow when she comes home. Ominous. Yeah. <laughs> that evening, Brittany headed out alone again from her hotel around 8 p.m. to meet up with Peter again at the Blue Water Resort because she had left her shoes in his car. It's about one and a half miles south of the boulevard, so it was about a 30-minute walk every time she would walk to and from this place. She was seen on camera at about 8.15 p.m. walking towards the hotel while she was texting on her phone, and she arrived at the hotel at about 8.30. We find out later that she was texting Peter, saying that she was on her way, and she was also texting her boyfriend John as well. She only stayed for a little before leaving around 8.45 to walk back to her hotel again. According to Peter and all the guys, she only stayed for a short amount of time because Jennifer was texting her that she wanted her black shorts back right then that she had let Brittany wear, which was what she had currently had on. So she was literally there for like 10 minutes and Jennifer's like, no, you have to come back. I want my shorts. That's nice of her. Yeah, right. So, and Peter does say that he offered her a ride, but she said like, no, I'm fine. Probably just out of annoyment. Like she was just like annoyed in the situation and was trying to get away. Yeah, but at that point, he it was probably yeah. also dark outside yes you could have still myrtle beach mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so as she's walking back alone once again she's still texting john telling him that she's like so miserable she just wants to come home she said quote i'm packing up my stuff when i get back to the hotel i'm staying in tonight i just want to go to sleep and get up and come home john was trying to be helpful from afar and tell her like i'm sorry and telling her to just try to have fun and then suddenly the last text from her was at 8 58 p.m and she just stopped responding which was only about 10 minutes into her walk back so John starts to freak out and try different tactics and finally texted her that if she didn't respond, he's going to call her mom and tell her that she was in Myrtle Beach trying to do like a, maybe she's ignoring me, like I'm going to tell on you kind of thing. I don't blame him. And when Brittany still didn't respond to that, he did exactly that. He called her mom around 9.30 saying where Brittany was and that they couldn't find her. And she's like, what do you mean you can't find her? And she said, quote, my heart just sank. I thought she was here the whole time and I felt it in my heart. She had made the decision that may have cost her her life. Dawn contacted Chad, and everyone started coming over to the house and tried to contact her and start packing some things to go to Myrtle Beach. Dawn also called Alana and Jennifer because John had their numbers, and of course, they didn't pick up. But she also left them, like, hysterical voicemails saying that they couldn't get a hold of Brittany, and they never called her back. Uh, she did speak with Peter because he did answer, and he said that she was only there for 10 minutes and then left and that she was texting Jennifer about shorts. Like, he just told her what happened and, like, I don't know where she is at now. She yeah. left. Uh, I can't believe that they never fucking responded to her. Oh, yeah, I know. That's so yeah. shitty. <laughs> I mean, at this time, it makes sense that they weren't, like, answering their phone because they were probably out at a club or something. No, I get But, that, like, later, but, yeah. Like, at least, like, yeah, you were the people that were supposed to be with her, you know? Yes. And you can't even fucking respond to her mother. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, and so Dom then contacted the Rochester police when she still wasn't answering, and by around midnight, her phone just started going straight to voicemail. They couldn't do much since they weren't actually in Myrtle Beach, but they did have a friend named John Hahn, 
who was about three hours away from there, who did drive there to file a report and also did a brief search for her and got nothing from that. Like, he just kind of, like, looked on his own. So John Han met with the police to file the report, and they also tried to get in contact with the girls again with no luck. And then they went to the room where Brittany was staying, and there was nobody in there because, like I said, they were probably out, and all of their belongings were in there. They tried calling again and finally got Alana on the phone, and she said that they hadn't seen her, and that's it. They don't know what else to tell you. They also called Peter and his friends again and were trying to get, like, a timeline. And they said it was Friday that they first met up with Brittany at Club Kryptonite, but that was on Thursday. It could have just been a mix-up, like, but we don't know for sure. It's probably just a mix-up, and, you know. And then they say once again that the last time they saw her, she just came to get the flip-flops and then left shortly after. So, like, kudos to Peter in this moment for actually picking up the phone both times. Yeah, and the other girls just saying, like... Don't know what else to tell you. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. lol. Sucks that your kid's missing. That's my, my yeah. problem. Like, what? That's the shittiest thing ever. Oh, yeah. And then one weird thing, though, that they found out from Alana was that Jennifer and Alana were planning to switch hotels for that last night. But Brittany did not mention this to John at all. So she more than likely did not know that they were planning to switch hotels. Oh, like not even... No, hotels. Not even, like, rooms? No. I don't know why. I don't, like, this just thrown in there. That's kind of, like, a weird thing that she mentioned on the phone to the police. So these girls were, like, straight-up bitches. Yeah, that's what it seemed like, yeah. That is, like, the, the bitchiest thing <laughs> in the world. Holy shit. Yeah. And then that same night, around 2 a.m., Peter and his friends checked out of their hotel and left to go back to Rochester. They had left behind some bathing suits in the room as well as their deposit, and as soon as Peter got back to Rochester, he got a lawyer. The boys said that they had already planned to leave around 5 a.m. to head back, and since they were already up, they just left then. Either way, this did make him look even more suspicious to investigators and the public. Also because he was like the last person to see her. The next afternoon is when Dawn, Dawn's parents, Chad, John, her boyfriend, and John, her biological dad, and one of Brittany's other best friends, Tara, arrived at Mortal. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Beach. Don immediately went to the media and they started handing out flyers, going up to anyone to try to find her. Her case became high-profile pretty fast and got onto national news as well. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Upon investigation, every belonging of hers was left in the hotel room. The only thing she seemed to have with her was her phone and wallet, and her bank account had no activity on it the day she went missing or any days to follow, and there was also no text messages sent on her phone or anything. So at this point, she was like full-on ghost mode. Yes. As for the other friends, they never mentioned anything else about it, really. They weren't helping the investigation at all. They weren't looking for her, and after the police had did their initial questioning, they also just went back to Rochester like nothing had happened. And going off of them not calling back, Dawn also says that even to this day, they have never contacted her to apologize, explain, or ask if they could help. Like, literally nothing. What kind of <laughs> yeah. a shitty fucking human being Like, do you have to be to just be like, oh, sorry, I know that we were like partly responsible for your child at this time when they went missing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's your own fucking problem. Like, what? Not even to apologize. Like, I'm sorry we didn't do more. I'm sorry I wasn't, like, walking with her. Not even, like, something. They fully were just like, "Mm, yeah, I mean, 
They never even talked to her at all. Not once. And then two days after she went missing, police obtained her cell phone records. Cell phone data does show that she was most likely on foot heading north towards her hotel after she had left the Blue Water Resort with Peter. Mm -hmm. After that, at 9.27 p.m., the speed of the tower she's hitting starts to speed up, in a car most likely, now heading southbound out of Myrtle Beach down Highway 17. There were more pings later, but the last ping was at 11.58 p.m., 40 miles away in an area known as the Pole Yard, right by the small town of McClellanville in Georgetown County. This worried investigators because the pole yard is in the middle of nowhere, it's near the Santee River and a boat landing, and it's a very woodsy, dark area filled with wild animals, and then her phone went dead after that. Okay, this is going to sound really stupid because I watch Criminal Minds and I feel like I should at least know that, (laughs) but hangs means off of cell phone towers? Yes. I thought that they just were able to like track it through like satellite or something. No, it's cell phone towers. So if I'm, like, driving down the road, then, like, it just, they can track me, like, pinging off from different cell phone towers? Yeah. How yeah, do they do it in 911? Like, when they're like, oh, can you find my location? It's like, oh, yeah, you're near this that's cell phone be- tower? No, that's because with 911, they have, like, the device to, like, connect to that phone and track it. What? Yeah, they're not just, like, waiting for pings to go by. Like, with nine, if you're on a call with 911, that's why... In any shows and stuff like that, they have to be on the call to be able to track it. If the call drops or they hang up, you lose, like, being able to track it. See, I don't know the logistics of any of this. <laughs> okay. I'm just, like, always, like, yeah, they, they pinged their phone. Yeah. The fuck is a ping? <laughs> yeah, so it's on cell phone towers, and so there's, like, different sides. And so even with, say, like, she's on the north side, so it will ping off the north side of the tower so you can actually see what area they're from. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And so when she started pinging off more towers very quickly, they're like, oh, she's moving fast. What? Yeah. Science, bro. <laughs> so yeah, she was in this middle of nowhere area, basically, and then her phone went dead. So Miss Girl got kidnapped. Yeah, most likely that. Yeah. Uh, they also did a tower dump, which is where you like collect all the pings from one tower. Uh, that from the one that was like the last ping to get all the cell phone pings from that same time frame. So like when they do that, it shows like the phone number. Of all the pings. So it would be like everyone who pinged off of that tower. Yes. Within so that time frame. If there's like Joe Schmo over here mm-hmm. who was in the area at that time with his cell phone, then they would be able to know that that exact person was there. It would show his phone number and then they could connect the phone number to him. Oh my God. Yeah. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm learning so much. <laughs> but yeah, so they did that, but apparently they sent in the wrong date. Like, they sent in, like, the 24th or something instead. And by the time they realized that they sent in the wrong date, the records weren't available because the data on cell phone towers are routinely erased after, like, one or two weeks. So they could have possibly known who took her, and that might be the reason that she um, is stuck in a situation that's extremely dangerous. Yeah, they, and especially being in the middle of nowhere, it probably wouldn't have been, like, so many people, whereas, like, looking at Myrtle Beach pings is going to be, like, insane. Who did this? The Just somebody in the police department. They put in the wrong date. Mm, why am I not shocked? Yeah. <laughs> so, I didn't fuck up that bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, this girl's life might depend on this. Oops. Sorry, I, mean, I put the wrong date. Or at least get, like, the the, like, the amount of time for, like, the three days or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, right? Yeah, like, not just, like, oh, here's one day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I put a six instead of a five. Like, <laughs> yeah. now she's dead. Yeah, so they messed that up pretty bad. Clown shit. Yeah. And so, after this, police actually did get a break in the case, 
and they find another video of Britney taken the night before she disappeared. It's a video of her just sitting in a hotel room, talking, and on the balcony with some other guy filming. Once the investigation had gone public, that guy actually immediately contacted the police to say that he had the video and he came to them. And it was the guy that walked her back to the hotel. So, like, he's good in all this. Like, he, like, as soon as it went public, he's like, I know her. Went to the police with this video and it was literally just her, like, laughing and I'm talking like he's just vlogging the trip or something. A TikTok star? In 2009. <laughs> a Blackberry TikTok star? A, uh, a musically star. A musically? <laughs> well, no, I think it was Vine a musically yet. star? It is Vine. Yeah, musically yeah. still wasn't around yet. And so as soon as Brittany went missing, they were searching that area for 11 days straight, sun up, sun to sundown, but eventually her family had to go back home. And then actually for the first five or six months, there were large-scale searches every day, with the 200 to 500 people involved in each one. One particular weekend, there were 800 people looking for her. In Myrtle Beach or in the middle of nowhere, pole city, pole yard? Both. It started at Myrtle Beach, obviously, but the then after they got there. pole yard? That's the exact area, but it is McClellanville. Okay. Also 11 days after Brittany went missing, the case got picked up by Dr. Phil. And he wanted to cover it on his show, but he also invited Peter to come on to speak. And he did not show to be upset about her missing in the slightest, but was upset about being mentioned as a person of interest. He said, quote, Of course I'm concerned about Brittany. I mean, that girl is a nice girl. But when I was in the room with four other kids, they were all with me the whole night, and all of a sudden, my name is mentioned as a person of interest. When there's actually no evidence, my name is spelled wrong on national news, my family's going through hell now. You can just imagine how I feel. Damn, can you imagine how she feels being the one he who feels. fucking kidnapped? Oh, yeah. How her family feels? Yeah, like, shit, Peter. Sorry, you know, this is a mild inconvenience for you at the time. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to find the girl that your friend group let go missing. <laughs> yes. So the whole Dr. Phil special, you can't find, like, the whole entire thing, but, like, through the clips that are around, uh, kind of just painted him in even more of a negative light to the public. But overall, the police did investigate him more and did officially clear Peter of having anything to do with her disappearance. Fifteen months after her disappearance, the investigator gets a phone call. It's this girl named Randa who says that she was at Myrtle Beach walking down Ocean Boulevard just down the street from Blue Water Resort around 4 p.m. when she saw a van pull up and two men jump out and try to grab her. She is able to get away and then the van pulled off. Police look into this as a possibility of being the same person because it was the same area and Randa had similar features to Brittany. She was brought into a lineup based on her description and is able to point out Timothy Taylor and they arrest him for attempted kidnapping, which eventually got dropped because they did not have enough evidence to prove that it was him and he had an alibi. Fun fact, lineups like that are actually horrible. Yeah. Like, you don't actually have any clue who did it. Yeah. If you're in, a, like, a traumatic situation or if you're in a situation that's, like, fight or flight, your brain starts putting pieces together. So it's like, yeah. oh, I remember he had dark hair. So then anybody with dark hair that you see, like, in a lineup is like, yeah, it was him. Mm-hmm. And then that guy literally was, like, just in the wrong place at the wrong time and he has no fucking clue what you're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, the charges got dropped on that one. And Timothy did have an extensive history that included 30 offensives. And he lives in McClellanville. It turns out, Myrtle Beach police did have their eye on him for Brittany's disappearance based on a tip they received from an officer at a nearby sheriff's office. He contacted them about a confidential informant he has that said they saw Timothy with Brittany and he did become a person of interest. Interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll give random points for that one. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, in August 2011, almost two years since she went missing, police were seen searching an apartment of Ray Moody, also known as Mr. Clean by his neighbors because he was in the Myrtle Beach area at the time. He had moved into this house just one day before she went missing and stayed for six months. Ray is 52 years old and was sentenced to 40 years of prison for the rape of an eight-year-old girl. He only served 21 years before moving there. He would not cooperate at all and was making it difficult for investigators. Once again, because they didn't find anything at the apartment, he was cleared. In June 2016, they hosted a press conference in McClellanville. David Thomas, special agent in charge of the FBI in South Carolina, revealed that investigators had concluded Brittany was dead. He said, quote, What we've come to discover through the course of this investigation is that Brittany Drexel did leave the Myrtle Beach area. We believe she traveled to the area around McClellanville. You're really struggling with this one. I don't know why, man. And we believe she was killed after that. There's no... no they, they just do it to, like, clean it up? Just be like, yeah, she's dead, you know, we're done with this? Well, no, no, they're not closing the case. They're just announcing her that at this point to give, I think, a little bit more clarity to the family that we're not looking for somebody alive anymore. They probably also did have things at the time that they just weren't announcing. They're not closing the case here. It's not closed yet. We, we still have more to go through. Okay, continue. <laughs> Later in August, there was a hearing in South Carolina regarding a young man named Deshaun Taylor, who is the son of Timothy Taylor. And he was also officially called a person of interest. He was arrested back in 2011 for McDonald's robbery. And that's what the hearing was for. But they put an FBI agent on the stand during the hearing, and that's when they officially announced that they believe he was involved with the abduction and had direct knowledge of Brittany's disappearance. This was based on an inmate informant named Taquan Brown. He was serving 25 years for manslaughter, who said he knew what happened to Brittany Drexel. He told investigators he, want, he went to a stash house in McClellanville just days after her disappearance to make a deal with Timothy Taylor. He said when he walked through the house, he saw Brittany, who had noticeably been beaten, she had a black eye, uh, being held there and being sexually assaulted by Deshaun Taylor, as well as 8 to 12 other men in the house. Is he just saying this, though, so that he can go, like, on, whatchamacallit, like, to make a deal or something? He took no deal from this at all. He just came to them. Oh, so he just fully was like, yo, um, yeah. he, here's the information, have a nice day. Yeah. He heard that they were talking about and looking into uh, Deshaun Taylor and Timothy Taylor. And so he sent them, like, a letter, and he's like, I know what happened to her. And so they were like, okay, come in. But he took no deal from this, like, at all. He just came to them and was like, here's did what he, I know. Did he, like, have beef, though, with Timothy Taylor or Deshaun? None that we know personally, no. Mm. Because he could be also trying to just fuck them over. He could be. That's uh, that's definitely a thing that could happen, yeah. But, I mean, he was also not, like, innocent during, like, these cases. He was going there to, like, make some kind of either, like, drug or a gun deal or something. Like, he was doing kind of shady stuff also but he's just like hey i wasn't doing that shady thing though he's like i'm not trying to human traffic somebody <laughs> yeah even i have my <laughs> yeah so he went to the back of the house to meet with timothy taylor to do their exchange and we're just talking when Brittany ran out of the house to try to escape four other guys went behind her pistol whipped her and brought her back inside he said that he then heard two gunshots and assumed Brittany had been shot jesus fuck Yes. He also heard Timothy Taylor instructing someone to wrap her up in some type of blanket or carpet, throw her in the back of the pickup truck, and feed her to the gators. He says that she had been held there for a few days since she went missing and was being trafficked, but her case had gotten so much media attention that the Taylors had planned to kill her anyways because it was too high profile. That just went from zero to a hundred. Oh, it was already at like, yes. I saw it like 50, but like, I mean, like <laughs> it went from like 50 to like 150. Yeah. 
there's more that he said. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> he also says that five days after that, he went to his Uncle Herman's house in Jacksonboro, South Carolina, which is about like an hour and a half from McClellanville. He said he saw Brittany there. He said that she had black eyes, looked worse, and that she was sitting in a recliner chair, clearly drugged. So I don't know what in, they shot at. In Jacksonboro? Yes. Well, maybe it was another... Wait, so his Uncle Herman was suddenly involved in this? It was in his home. I We literally have no idea for Uncle Herman's connection in this at all. What the... There's so many fucking puzzle pieces here. Yes. And none of them are fitting together. Uh, yeah. And then... Yeah, so I don't know, they, like, they could have been like warning shots or something. He just like heard these things. He didn't see her actually getting shot or brought out. He saw somebody pistol whip her and then bring her back. And then he heard two gunshots and assumed Brittany had been shot. Oh, okay. I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> what is happening? Yes, so we don't, she could have been alive, but it could have been her and then her again later. Why is his know. uncle hurt in here all of a sudden? <laughs> but yeah, so he saw Brittany there and then she had black eyes, looked worse, sitting in a recliner, clearly drugged. And then in late May, so a bit over a month since she had been missing, he was walking with his, a friend to his Uncle Herman's home again to look at a car he was, like, thinking about buying. And he said there was a wooded area off of a dirt path that leads up to the home, and there was a group of men out there with Brittany, and there was a man that he only knows by the name of Nate, shot her twice. And that time he did say he saw her get shot. And as soon as it happened, him and his friend turned around and left because they didn't want to be a part of it. And he then said that he knows for a fact that they put her body, at least partially, into an alligator pit. He also says that other parts of remains were placed in a stolen RV and taken to a scrapyard. And police records do show that a neighbor's RV was stolen. Oh my god. What? Yeah, so that's like his whole account that he was like, hey, I know. I know what happened. I just, I can't, like, the entire thing is horrible, but I can't get over the alligators. Oh, I know. Like, Like, just... Put them in the alligator pit. I know. That would be the worst. Like, uh, Awful. That's, oh my god. I can't even, uh, I'm gonna throw up. (laughs) Yeah, and um, so now his Uncle Herman has died of a heart attack, and one of the other witnesses were also murdered at the time of him telling this, so some of the story is not able to be completely confirmed. Why didn't he come forward before this? Like, I know that it says that he doesn't want to be a part of it, but like... Yeah, I'm not entirely sure why he didn't come sooner. It might be because he was doing shady things and wasn't in jail yet. And so he probably didn't come forward when he was free, you know? That's fair. Yeah. Makes sense. Yes. And he also probably didn't want his Uncle Herman to get arrested or anything. But he passed by the time he came forward, so. Yeah. And then waited. Personal reasons. Yes. But, yeah, so not everything was able to be confirmed. But there are some witnesses that have supposedly come forward, according to the FBI, confirming this. Like, what other they, witnesses? They don't say all their names. Taquan was actually pretty angry that they mentioned his name in the media because he didn't want it to be seen as like a snitch or anything like that. He just wanted to help out, kind of. So he was pretty angry about that. So all these other witnesses, they said they have multiple. One of them was also an inmate, but they have not released the name and the others are not in jail at all. And so I'm sure that they're not going to release their names out of having a little bit more protection so they don't get killed from this. Well, That's coming forward. Yeah. Uh, We also later find out that while Chad Drexel was handing out flyers, like, in Myrtle Beach when they first arrived, that he was stopping cars, like, constantly being like, have you seen her? And one car that he stopped that had a bunch of guys in the car. The two guys in the back were whispering to each other and laughing while he was explaining that his daughter is missing and asking for help. 
And then the driver took the flyer, crumbled it up, and threw it back at him and drove away laughing. And based on Chad's description, the FBI said the driver was Deshaun Taylor. And Deshaun actually had mentioned later on, like, meeting Brittany's dad, Chad. I feel so bad for Chad. Like, that's just a shitty thing to do whether you're involved or not. Throwing, like, crumbling it up and throwing in their face of, like, their missing daughter. I know. That's, like, I can't even, that's so bad. Yeah. And then, so yeah, they were able to confirm that, like, Chad's like, I have met Deshaun. He has no doubt in his mind. Also, because one of the noticeable things is um, Deshaun actually only has one arm. Because he lost the other one in an accident when he was, like, four or something. And the driver had one arm. So that's... You're gonna, you're gonna look at me and you're gonna say that you have a extremely distinguishable yeah. feature. <laughs> and you're gonna go around committing crimes. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, hey, like, is there anything that you could tell us about this guy? Oh, yeah, he only has one arm. Oh, okay, well, that, like, limits us down to, like, one person. Yeah. Who Who is it? Oh, I, I, I fucking wonder. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the dude with one arm. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And then who goes around flaunting that kind of thing, too? Like, oh, yeah, like, not even trying to be, like, inconspicuous with it. Like, just taking the paper and yeah, throwing right? it in his face. Like, you were bringing attention to yourself. Oh, yeah. Normal people don't have reactions like that. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, when asking in interviews and stuff later on, they're like, oh, did you do this? And he's like, I, I don't know if I did that. You would remember if you did that. Like, because normal people would not just do that. Like, if somebody asked me, like, hey, did you crumble up this paper of a missing child and threw it in the dad's face? I wouldn't be like, oh, I don't remember if I... Like, I would know if I would do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they conducted multiple searches of the area of McClellanville and the alligator pits. Uh, and cadaver dogs are alerted to a few of the trees around the shore. And so Myrtle Beach PD brings in Dr. Apod Voss, a renowned forensic scientist best known for his role in the Casey Anthony murder trial. Is that the, the girl who killed her kid? Yes. Okay. Allegedly. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he got DNA from Don and went on a boat with an investigator and his equipment and got a response in a couple spots within 30 yards of each other. And he explained that if alligators or any animals had moved any of the body, you could get different locations in that same area where the cadaver dogs alerted, where, which he did. But ultimately, they failed to locate Brittany's body. If you put a body... Mm-hmm. Wait, don't alligators only, like, attack living things? I don't think they Certainly. eat, like, things that are dead already, do they? They do. It's like a difference, I guess, if, like, they're fed to it. So you have to think, like, they're not feeding life things to gators and like gator land and stuff those are in captivity could they could have also went on a boat and like tossed it to the gators or something too because it had a boat ramp there i trust the university of florida they say that they do eat dead animals there you go they would know they would (laughs) they are the gators (laughs) so yeah deshaun taylor did take a lie detector test in 2017 and during it he mentions that he heard an argument between two people whose names are redacted back in 2016 about having britney's cell phone he said neither of these people have confided in him about having any involvement, but that he was present for the argument. He denies that he had any involvement and says he passed the lie detector test back in 2009, but when he took this one again in 2017, eight years later, he failed. And most of the story that he was telling also came back as not telling the truth. Like, the argument came back true, but when it came to his involvement and stuff, it was false. The lie detector is also like... I was going to say, yeah. I hate to tell you this, and I hate to, like, not agree. I'm saying that I don't trust lie detectors. No, that's period. completely fair, yeah. Like, if somebody's like, oh, here's a lie detector test, yeah. you're like, no, that's bullshit. Yeah, no, they don't hold up in court at all. Like, they, they're not trustworthy in the slightest. 
yeah yeah so i don't know i don't think that part really can be held against him no and that's why yeah i know failing it he did not get um charged or anything yeah <laughs> yeah they just did it for shits and gigs. Yeah, I mean, I get the idea, like, because if you're already looking super duper guilty and then you fail it on top, it also is kind of like, hmm, that doesn't look great, you know? I feel like that's just taking things and then making it, like, twisting it to your... Yeah. No, I... Yeah, lie detector tests are awful. Don't take them. In May 2019, one of the Taylor's homes in McClellanville burned down. There was no obvious signs of arson, but there was no power going to the home because it was abandoned. So it wasn't an electrical fire, but the entire house was engulfed in flames. Insurance fraud. It's abandoned. Okay. <laughs> if you still own the house and have insurance on it, then like, yeah, having an abandoned house just on the side, like that that's an easy thing to get money from. I guess. Detectives and most people believe it was to get rid of evidence. Insurance fraud. <laughs> Whenever I hear about a house burning down, I immediately think insurance fraud. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I'm not sure if they got insurance money, so I cannot answer that one. <laughs> Uh, cadaver dogs also hit on a spot near the Santee River where her phone had pinged that actually tied Brittany to the area minus just the ping because the ping means her phone's there but there's been no evidence of her being there so cadaver dogs did hit on physical evidence that tied Brittany to the area and it was found by a private investigative firm of retired law enforcement and so FBI haven't even looked at it because of evidence continuity since it wasn't found by the FBI or local law enforcement. So I think they're probably looking for something bigger first and then add this to it because they don't want to go into court with just this because it, it won't hold up since it wasn't them that found it. What is the evidence? We, they haven't released what it is. Oh. They haven't looked at it. They just were like, hey, we found this. How and are then, we supposed to solve cases <laughs> if we don't have the evidence? Well, <laughs> and FBI Special Agent Mike Connolly who has been working the case, believes he will eventually bring Britney's family the closure they want. He says, quote, There are people out there who know what happened to Britney. We're going to work as long as it takes until we can solve this case. The FBI is offering a $25,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of whoever is responsible for Britney's Drexel's disappearance. If you have information, call 1-800-CALL-FBI. And then finally, I just want to throw in some statistics around Myrtle Beach. Because a lot of people still say that human trafficking isn't a big thing that still happens, and it very much is. Don't go to Myrtle Beach if you're um, alone and also yeah, a woman facts. unless you have a knife facts and it. mace. Yeah. Actually, don't go anywhere unless you have a knife or mace because, yeah. Yeah. Protect yourself. Yeah. And don't this... get kidnapped. Yes. You can get mace online on like Amazon and stuff like that too. It's also on Walmart. It's in Walmart? Yeah, it's all about men. That was sick. Yeah, go get some mace in Walmart. <laughs> Just make sure you know how to use it, though, so you don't accidentally, like, spray it back in your face if you're, like, in that kind of situation. Because also know where you can and can't have, like, knives and mace and stuff. Mm -hmm. And how, like, long you can have a knife. Because in certain states, certain, like, links of knives and mace and everything is illegal. So just make sure you know the laws of where you are. Uh, and, yeah, this month is actually National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. And so that's why we wanted to cover this case, even though we are late and it is the end of January, we still want to bring attention to this. And so we'll be making a post more talking about that later as well. But yeah, I'm just going to go into some statistics around Myrtle Beach specifically. Uh, in 2017, 84 kids were rescued and 130 traffickers were arrested in an FBI sting operation in Columbia and Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. In 2020, it was reported that Myrtle Beach had the worst crime rate per 100,000 people out of a study of beach communities that included Daytona and Panama, and the crime rate is also worse than Chicago's crime rate. Is it seriously? Yes. Damn, I knew Myrtle Beach was fucked, but like, yes. 
Worse than Chicago? Yep. And Horry County, so that's H-O-R-R-Y in South Carolina, was named the number one human trafficking hub in South Carolina for the last three years since 2020. And it's about an hour and a half outside of McClellanville. I think this is going to sound really stupid, too, but I think it's absolutely wild that they just have, like, statistics for this kind of thing. Like, they're like, congratulations, you win. Number one for most human trafficking. This is also what they know, too, because obviously human trafficking is not always, not nearly always reported in the slightest. Yeah. It's very much a thing that people need to be aware of. And it's even a thing, like, where we're at here. Like, it's a big thing here. Yeah. Um. Also, if you have, like, things on your cars, like, if you get, like, a little, like, piece of paper or something that's on your far window, or if there's any changes to... um. One of the ones that, like, they were concerned about where we are, where they would, ta- like, put a tag or something on your license plate so you don't really notice it. But, like, the people who know that you are alone, a woman that's alone, will, like, be able to see that tag and know that you are alone and that you are, like, a person that they should be looking out for mm-hmm. um, to traffic. Yeah. And if you're ever, like, in a store seeing anything suspicious or somebody following you, you can always ask force it like one of the workers or something for help so just be aware of like your surroundings like i said if you want to get like mace or like a knife just make sure you also like just know how to use it please because it's not gonna help you at all if you just have no idea what you're doing with it i pretty much don't go anywhere alone at this point um but i don't even go to walmart alone which is fair because the one near us they had found a dead body in a car so that one's sketchy as fuck one here i've had personal friends say that they've almost been like kidnapped there yeah, well, this I don't go that way. Yeah, no, no. I wouldn't have either. <laughs> but just being aware, like, my head's, like, always, like, turning and looking around and stuff, like, anywhere we go. She also carries, like, six knives on her. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And mace. Yes. And so the... Are tasers legal? To a certain amount. Oh, bitch, I'm gonna buy a taser. Uh, In Florida or everywhere? It varies on state, obviously. Okay, well, I just wanted to make sure I didn't know if there was, like, a, a federal law or something on, like, tasers. No, it's just, a, it's just a certain amount of watts. I will be buying a taser then. <laughs> so the human trafficking hotline is 888-373-7888. Or you can also text HELP or INFO to 233-733. And some signs of human trafficking to look out for not being able to speak up for themselves, having very few possessions and no control over their important documents, like a passport, driver's license, etc. Not knowing where they are, not being able to leave their home or work, or being isolated and or unable to contact their friends and family. So spread awareness of that, and the more aware that people are of it, the more they're going to be able to recognize signs of it and hopefully prevent it from happening. Yes. Or be able to hopefully get out of the situation mm-hmm. or know what to do yeah and again just be aware of your surroundings for sure and if you have any information on britney drexel's disappearance call or in there's also a facebook page called bringing home britney drexel so you can also go on there for some updates and to submit any leads or tips she would be 30 as of now And at the time of her missing, she was... 17. Yeah, had blonde hair. She was five foot tall and weighed about 100 pounds. She was a very small girl. So yeah, if you know anything, still very actively looking for her. And if we hear of any big updates, we'll also like post about them. We'll mention them in like future episodes, obviously. So yeah, follow, subscribe, and rate the podcast because that actually helps us a lot to continue to create content and create more and better content. So that is very appreciative. 
sexy bitches follow all of our accounts <laughs> and rate the podcast on apple or spotify because that's available now five stars babies <laughs> so see you next week on grave danger with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.